Welcome to the Cosmic Circle, the official podcast for thecosmiccircus.com. I'm Isla Ruby, and this is episode 36. I'm so excited to talk with you guys today. We're venturing into the land of pink and talking all things Barbie. I'm joined by two of my favorite people as very special guests, John Anuday. Hey, uh, my name is John Dodson. Hey, I'm Uday. Um, I am a fellow writer at the Cosmic Circus, and I'm super excited to talk Barbie because I really loved it. All right. So, dear listeners, before you go further, there will be spoilers. So if you don't want to hear about the Barbie movie, cover your ears with some oversized pink headphones or just stop listening here because we're going to chat about it. Um, so first, guys, I would love to get your big picture impressions of Barbie. Um, John, you literally just came out of the movie like 40 minutes ago, you said, right? So you're totally fresh. Oh man, you had to pick me first. We can go with Uday. It's all right. I just no, like no, it's all good. Uh, let's see. Uh, I had a roller coaster of emotions going through Greta Gerwig's Barbie. It's there's parts that will make you laugh. There's parts that, that will um make you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got a little bit emotional. At the end of it, I really did. Oh, I, th- I think uh, it does not surprise me that it's upset a lot of dude bros out there. Yeah, they called them. it subversive, right? Or there's like there, there's a lot of terms that have been thrown around. Subversive? How? I mean, it's just mm-hmm. like it's it's kind of like what you might expect mm-hmm. for them to touch on. But I I think there's a lot for little girls to learn from the movie. I think uh, uh, Ryan Gosling is a Gosling. Yes, it's Gosling. You know everybody's everybody's talking about Robert Downey Jr. for Oscar. I mean I think Ryan Gosling absolutely deserves mm-hmm. got a nomination here because it's ridiculous. It's so good. Um, I have thoughts about how Matchbox 20 is a theme song mm-hmm. for misogyny, mm. which is both hilarious and I think somebody out there needs to write a full-blown essay about Matchbox 20 in this movie. It's, it's so out of nowhere that they chose that and it makes so much sense do you know what i'm talking to i'm looking up this song i know like i know the band and it's i'm it's push right that's the song i want to push you around yep it's i totally get it and i will and i will Mm -hmm. it's clever it's uh, i don't know what else i can add to the conversation that hasn't been said I guess uh, one more thought that I had is that it feels kind of like a reaction to Roe v. Wade. Because mm. the whole film is everybody in this Barbie land getting things taken away from them. Mm-hmm. You know, all the women are getting rights removed. And it's like things are reversing in that, in that culture. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like it's touching on a lot of things and yeah i i enjoyed it there's so much there in what you said and brought up that i want to like go deep into like later on too but i think it's so interesting you said that especially with the end of the movie which we're going to talk about later too just like i think that's like so spot on uday how about you what did you think of barbie um and i'm going to ask you because i know you see movies you see many screenings. I don't remember like your record for how many times you've seen a movie, but I want to know specifically from you, did you see Barbie multiple times? Not yet, but I, I wish I had. Um, Barbie's like the first social thing I've done since moving because like I just I moved to Orange County like three weeks ago. So this is the place to be for Hollywood. Like I've been driving to L.A. to see family friends like every weekend. And there's this gigantic Barbie poster that's like on the side of a building. And I love looking out for it as I drive by. 
Uh, but no, I do like seeing movies multiple times in theaters. I will go see Barbie at least twice and probably stop there because I don't have my family out here to go see it with. But yeah, like I'm I'm dying to see it again. I thought that it was really good. I think I think Barbie is really interesting because it's kind of like what you expect, but then it's also nothing like what you expect. I feel like some of the themes were a little bit predictable, not in a bad way, just in a like, you know, it's it's good that a Barbie movie touched on that because I would kind of expect it to way. But then the way it touches on those things is so like out of left field and it's so sophisticated and it, it was just fascinating to me because there were things going in that I was expecting to see, but then the way that they were given to me was just like, I felt like I was in the mind of a genius. I feel like Greta Gerwig is just like insane. And so was Margot Robbie because she also produced this. Mm-hmm. And it, her her company is Lucky Chap, right? I think that's Margot Robbie's yeah. production arm. And, you know, this was, this is the, the vehicle for Margot Robbie, right? This was like her first big thing that was just designed totally for her. I think it's so interesting that you mentioned, um, like there were parts of it that were what you expected um, and some parts of it that were not because, you know, this is not just another toy movie, right? This is not, um, you know, it, it, it does take that and turn it a little bit, you know, the first half and all the marketing, I think, made you think that this whole thing was gonna be in this pink world, um, you know, that that was, if you weren't reading spoilers, that was kept spoiler free. Um, but we we probably know, knew because we we live for spoilers. I think that there were parts of the movie to me that did feel a little bit on the nose. I'm in awe of just, first of all, the production design, the set design, like that blows my mind. Like it's so brilliant and just cool. And like, I want to live in a pink world. I'm like... Just on the surface, it looks so freaking cool. And I think there are moments in the real world and moments in the um the in the real world for Barbie that were really interesting too. But you know, there was just a lot of unevenness for me. I enjoyed it. I really liked messaging, but like, I don't know, some of it was slow. And that I feel like I'm not the negative person and I'm almost the most negative on Barbie. I, I do feel like it was a little bit weirdly paced at times. I guess that's the one thing I would say, there were just moments in the movie where I was kind of like, oh, like, I feel like it's not hitting quite as hard as it could. Mm -hmm. But to me, like, the movie knocked the important moments out of the park to such a degree that that like those little bit like those little moments of unevenness didn't really bother me. But to me, it's just like, that's what keeps the movie from being like a 10 out of 10 for me. And, you know, I mean, it's still like a nine and a half or like, at worst, it's a nine. So it's it's okay. See, I'm so torn because I think that so I keep thinking of America Ferrera's um, monologue as you know the mom talking about you know the really um, like how how as a woman we're supposed to live up to these standards that you know that they've created with Barbie all of that this big important monologue and I loved that but you know with my film critic hat on like I'm thinking wow this is really just like telling me everything it's not like I felt like it was, I mean, the whole movie, I guess, was showing me, but just that that bit kind of threw me a little bit. John, you're like, I feel like you wear the film critic hat much more than either of us. Like, well, no, I mean, no, I mean, I'm actually, I'm curious, is it, did it just feel preachy to you or? Well, yeah, like, that, I think that's a really good way to describe it. Yeah, it just felt a little bit preachy to me. And I don't know if it's just because like, as like, so I'm, I'm the only woman here on a podcast with two guys like and I I feel like like it's almost a lived experience for many women so I feel like right. that like it wasn't especially new but that's fine like I, I I totally get it what she was doing um I guess and when I was thinking about it um the movie is a mess a massive hit right mm-hmm. now yeah me like 150 million dollars it's huge right it's like people were saying the box office dead the box office is dead and then no it's not and i guess my thought is she was on the nose because she's talking to kids that Mm -hmm. you know that may not be aware of yeah you know certain like individual experiences of a later 
mm-hmm. generation. The, that's kind of what went through my head when watching it. Um, I can understand, you know, being older and going, oh, come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we, we, we know this. I think that's such an interesting point, too, um, because, like, does a kid isn't necessarily going to know the patriarchy, right? You know, they're not going to know what that is. So maybe that was kind of, I think <clears throat> that makes sense. Like, that's a logical reason for that to be there. So I think that works in that context. And, I mean, I did see some interesting perspectives from women on Twitter because, obviously, two men are not the best people to talk about Barbie. Um, I think Barbie no, can talk about, no, not, everyone can not. talk about Barbie. Come on, guys. I was actually- Of course, but, I'm, but like you said, like, you know, we, we don't have that lived experience, of course. And I think that, you know, I saw some other women on Twitter saying, you, you know, I thought it Barbie was a little bit surface level. I thought that the themes Barbie explored were, like you're saying, on the nose. And- I found it really interesting that someone responded with yes, but that doesn't make it like bad. Like it, it's mm-hmm. still like a great movie. Like it was still really oh, yeah. enjoyable. And they're like, it's really important to have those conversations because they're like even stating something that obvious. Like I totally see what you're saying about America Ferrera's monologue. I thought it was great, but it, you're right. It's not like, I mean, I struggle to call it like a basic sentiment, but it mm-hmm. is kind of just like, that is like the base of... <laughs> what life is like for women except the thing is like every woman knows that but like not every man knows that and not every little girl knows it either yeah I think that and so I do think that Barbie would seem a little bit surface level like to some people but I also understand why it didn't go harder than that and I mean even just all of the tweets from mothers talking about how like their 10 year olds are asking them what the patriarchy Mm -hmm. is after seeing Barbie and you know, I think that that's what's important about it. Mm-hmm. And and again, I feel like for most people that I see, I don't think that like, the like even if they find the themes to be a little bit shallow, I don't think that that's impacted their enjoyment of the movie. Oh, yeah. It's just that they've realized that, you know, they're like, they're like, they're embroiled. Like I saw someone say that like, they know everything about like feminist theory and they're deep down that rabbit hole but so many people aren't even you know like mm-hmm. so many grown women aren't and so that's why they think the movie is important and I thought that that was a really interesting sentiment I want to be clear too though like the movie was so much fun like even all that the on the nose like it was really fun I would be so happy if we had so many more movies like Barbie maybe not you know whatever toy Mattel own a G.I. Joe movie. I mean, I guess there is a G.I. Joe movie or was, but what maybe not whatever the next toy is movie, but I just think that like I really liked it as a comedy and just in general. Um, okay. So, you know, this is just supposed to be our Barbie podcast, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention Oppenheimer um and you know this whole phenomenon, right? Known as Barbieheimer, Barbenheimer. I'm not sure which it is because I didn't look. Yeah, Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. Okay. Did you guys, did either of you, see both of them? Did it was like a double featuring going on? What's the deal? I, mean, I didn't do that. I watched Oppenheimer almost a week ago. Oh. Our theater had some of the problems that oh. a lot of people had, but where ours was different is they tried to project a 70 millimeter uh, print on the smallest screen imaginable. Oh. It was just, it was awful. Oh, and no. I can't be, I can't believe they did that for press. Yeah. But I did see both, but like a week apart. You would think that they would like shut all you guys to the 70 millimeter IMAX, uh, IMAX right? wherever yeah. there's like three of them yeah. in the US, right? Or is... I, th- I think it's Tom Cruise's fault. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm serious because like no one has every screen booked for the next four weeks, I think. Wow. So Tom Cruise went on like a tirade about trying to get every screen booked before all this happened. So I blame you, Cruz. <laughs> all your fault. Ude, yeah. how about you? Did you see? Did you do the double feature or anything? I did not. First of all, I could never do two movies like that in the same day. Like that's just—it's too much. Like 
people talk so i mean so i i watch every marvel movie multiple times in theaters but there are people yes. that i follow on twitter that will walk out of a showing and then turn around and walk into the next one that they have tickets for and i just don't understand how people can do that and it's like i love watching movies and you know i love just sitting around and watching tv but i could not spend seven or not seven like six hours in a movie theater straight mm-hmm. like that would melt my eyes i would be sobbing by the <laughs> oh, end of it because like my eyes would be watering so much yeah um and then also just content wise i said this in the review that i wrote for barbie for the cosmic circus but i wouldn't want to watch oppenheimer after barbie barbie gave me an existential crisis on its own <laughs> barbie already like destabilizes your like belief in humanity why would you want to go watch oppenheimer after that <laughs> so even though i didn't do the double feature i firmly believe it should be oppenheimer and then barbie yeah. a day apart so that you have like some time to digest oppenheimer and then like before you can get too depressed then you go see barbie which will depress you in a little bit of a different way I mean, might depress you. I don't think Barbie's guaranteed to depress you. I think it's just going to make you confront some thoughts. But I do want to see Oppenheimer. I was honestly on the fence about it just because I've I've been so caught up with moving. Like my two concerns were like set up my apartment and then find someone to go watch Barbie with. Um, So I, I did not have Oppenheimer on my radar just because life has been busy. If I was like at home like usual, then I would have done like a back-to-back day kind of thing. So... I made no plans to see Oppenheimer. I was busy this weekend doing other stuff. But then I've been seeing all the tweets and I feel left out. And so even though it's three hours long, because on There's like Wednesday, FOMO I was there. like, I was I was like, am I even going to watch Oppenheimer in theaters? But there is FOMO, especially now that like both movies have overperformed so much at the box mm-hmm. office. Yeah, there there is more FOMO than I was expecting. So and honestly, I don't know if I ever could have really skipped it just because like you said, it's become such a cultural phenomenon. So I think I'm going to try going tomorrow. But the problem is that like at home in Michigan, there's an IMAX AMC like 10 minutes away from my house and I have AMC A-list. So that would have been great. And apparently it's a 70 millimeter IMAX. Oh, like, or no, no, sorry. It's separate. They have regular 70 millimeter and then separate IMAX. Okay. But here in Orange County, which is like an hour away from LA, which is where Hollywood is, I can only find two theaters that have either IMAX or 70 millimeter within like a 30 mile radius of me. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm an hour away from the movie business and like every theater doesn't have an IMAX. So I don't actually know if I'll see Oppenheimer tomorrow, but I hope to. I just don't think it's worth seeing if it's not in IMAX. I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet, so I'm going to sit this question totally out. Well, I could tell you that it's for the format. I was not expecting the kind of movie that the kind of movie that it was because there's a lot of it's like the social network oh oh like a lot of talking mm-hmm. which a lot of people go to IMAX for big spectacle and you know and explosions and action it's many scenes of people in rooms yeah so it's Pretty interesting, but I gotta tell you guys, I feel like like I'm not like an outlier, because mm-hmm. like, I'm one of the only people that was like mixed positive on Oppenheimer. Oh, so yeah. Anyway, now John, did you do a review on that? I can't remember. I did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All I right. Did. So, and where is that? Because you have to plug your work. Oh, that's at Monsters and Critics. Perfect. You can find find that at Monsters and Critics. Awesome. You can go there and disagree with me <laughs> as hard as you like. <laughs> but make it polite and write it, you know, in a in a nice <clears throat> comment. So we can all disagree, like, respectfully. You know, I'm curious about the movie-going experience for you guys, because we're all scattered around the country. Were people dressed up at, at your Barbie showing? Like, you know, there was this big thing with the Minions movie that, like, people dressed up in suits. Did you guys see people in pink? Was there any, like, cosplay? I didn't really see any cosplay, but pretty much everyone was wearing pink. I mean, like, probably around at least half, maybe three quarters of people were wearing pink. I felt a little bit out of place because I had no pink. <laughs> um, the Like, the brightest color I had was, um, I have, like, this bright blue Guardians of the Galaxy shirt, so that's what I wore. But I was really feeling the loss of pink. My coworker didn't wear pink either, but like she kind of had a Barbie outfit on. 
um, like a jumpsuit. So she mm-hmm. still did better than me. Uh, there wasn't very many people in my theater because I went to the unpopular movie theater uh, to go watch it. Not intentionally, it was just right nearby. Yeah. So I just chose one that I could find. There was like a mom and daughter there and I think a few other people and that was it. There wasn't very many people. It's yeah. Monday. It's Monday. So And it was late-ish, right? Like it was after yeah. dinner time. Maybe. Like 5 like 30. Yeah. yeah. So. It's right at that weird time. For my theater, there was a lot of pink. There wasn't really any any cosplay, but you know, it's not I don't think it's as limited just to Barbie, because when I saw the Super Mario Brothers movie, like I f- I feel like everyone in that theater had something Mario on or like something video game on, um, even the kids. And like for the Spider-Man No Way Home movie, a dude was dressed up in Spider-Man outfit. So like, I think it's just fun. Okay, so do you guys think that Barbie's super box office success, John, you mentioned it earlier, was it like 150 million? It was just massive. Um, does it mean anything for movies in general? And, you know, I just want to point out as we're chatting that the AMPTP, the studios basically have like, we're at a time where they forced the WGA and, and SAG to strike. Are movies dead? I think it's, um, you know, I've thought about this for like the past couple months. You know, you see, you're, you're seeing comic book movie after comic book movie just fall down the tube like really hard. And I don't think movies are dead. I think what you're seeing is people being tired of franchises mm-hmm. and they're wanting something new. And if you're going, if you're not making something new, then you need to go all out. You have to mm-hmm. go. It's no longer, people are no longer like since the pandemic settling for sub, subpar entertainment. Mm-hmm. So I think it's I think tastes are different right now, especially in the especially in like during inflation. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm glad you mentioned that too. I'm curious if if you think that the cost of seeing movies in theaters has anything to do with it. So, like, if you're gonna go, like, it had better be great um, versus. Do you think like that might be part of why? It's possible. I just, I mean, you saw it last year with like Top Gun. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there was like a conversation that I had with other people about this online, and they were saying that you know people are just tired of going to movies. Well, if if anybody recalls, everything, everywhere, all at once mm-hmm. was a low indie film. Yeah. A24, right? A24. Yeah. And it stayed in the top 10 for weeks. Mm-hmm. For weeks. And it was so much of it was word of mouth, right? Because it didn't have a big like, yeah. marketing, but it didn't have Barbie's budget behind it, right? There wasn't. Yeah. Word of mouth. And it was like, it was balls to the wall, crazy on ideas. Mm-hmm. It was a it good was, movie. It was a great movie. So to me, it tells me quality is the new right now and what i think we should all aspire for that quality yes Yes, so that's my thoughts i'm curious what you do think so to answer your question i don't think movies are dead but i think that if we want things to stay that way then the amptp needs to like pay their writers and actors because barbie is the perfect example of a movie that like it's just like everyone is at the top of their game across the board like mm-hmm. the acting the directing the writing everything is just smart and unexpected mm-hmm. even though like i said like i think some things were a little bit predictable they were still unexpected yeah. so that's not that's not even a criticism it's just that like oh yeah i figured they do that but they did mm-hmm. it so well like what the heck and and in terms of um like in terms of what john was saying about how we're seeing all these franchise movies like not perform well like yeah it's been shocking to me how poorly like the flash like the flash completely flopped like it it's honestly hilarious to me how bad it's doing at the box office like i mean i'm not a fan of the movie in general but you know even even when i am a fan of stuff like 
to see something have like a record breakingly like bad run to me is just like kind of amusing in like a oh wow that sucks way and mm-hmm. i i kind of feel the same way about you know like indiana jones is doing like surprisingly bad like i was expecting that to do a lot better and then even the new mission impossible like i thought it opened well last weekend and everyone was like oh it's not good enough and then this weekend it's like dead in the water and again, especially considering what a success Top Gun Maverick was last summer and how that's a genre of movie that people really like. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting that all of these movies aren't performing at like the level that they're used to. And also they're all like insanely long, like insanely long running franchises. Like this summer we had Fast and Furious 10 and Mission Impossible 7 and mm-hmm. Indiana Jones 5. Like, yeah, let's... Like, like, do we need an Indiana Jones five? And don't like, don't don't forget Marvel twenty three or twenty four. What are we at now? For, I mean, Guardians. I love Guardians. We're we're I, up like, well. We're well into the thirties at this point. Honestly, um, Endgame was twenty two. Yeah. Um, I think Endgame was twenty two. I don't actually remember. Um, don't quote me on that. But <laughs> it's like, it, it's crazy. Like. Yeah, like, but even with Marvel, there's so many movies, but they're not all the same thing, you know? It's not like the 30th Marvel movie starring Robert Downey Jr. That's, as Iron that Man. is true. That's it is like the seventh or whatever, but, you know, like, <laughs> there's so much variety in there within that franchise. Um, I don't want to annoy any, any Mission Impossible fans as someone that's only seen, like, the last third of Ghost Protocol, but I'm like, what variety is there in that franchise? It's just oh, no. Tom Cruise doing the same stuff pretty much in every installment, right? What what I really appreciate about Mission Impossible is just how like how much Cruz and the co-star and just everyone involved with that like put their whole like everything they have they leave nothing on the table right oh with yeah the stunts with just they they give it their all there's nothing like half halfway done and I think that's nothing is phoned in I mean, yeah I, I can, definitely get that vibe I can explain Mission Impossible a little bit just a little bit. I, I didn't mean to pick on Mission Impossible. No, 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 no. Let's no, talk no. about it, right? Because if, like... if if you were going to pick on anything, I mean, this is hardly the thing to be what, guilty about. Um, if I may, Mission Impossible Fallout was one of the best, like, I don't like uh, John Wick 4. It mm-hmm. was one of the best action films of, like, the, like the past five years. Mm-hmm. There are sequence in the, sequences in there, and we talked about spoilers. Can we? We can. You can talk about. The oh, it's, I mean, I mean, like even if I said it to you, it, like <laughs> if I said it, watching it is different. Mm, it's that's different. true. I mean, he's hanging up a helicopter, and it, uh, it's, it's it's insane. It's insane. There's no reason why um Cruz is alive right now. <laughs> so. I'm a big fan of that one. I think the problem with the new one is they gave away the biggest surprise of the film in every piece of the marketing. Mm. Every piece of it. It's that motorcycle jump. Mm-hmm. And then why? Why did y'all do that? Well, contrast that to Barbie too, right? We was... With the pink stuff, like that was all we saw in the marketing. We didn't see the big twist where they go out, you know, Right, they were right. in the real world exactly yeah and uh, so anyway i was gonna say oh. on the topic of marketing like i think it's so interesting especially because again on twitter people are like oh when was the last time there was this much marketing for a movie like barbie and you know people are like well you know like marvel does like the same themed burgers and everything it's just that it's not as much of a phenomenon for other blockbusters because barbie is so coordinated, so on point, it is everywhere. Like they they spent their marketing budget very, very smartly. And they were so consistent with the pink. Like Barbie in general, but but specifically the movie has like the kind of like branding and marketing that like you can't help but be jealous of. And I think that that's also a really interesting point. Like what did Indiana Jones 5 and Mission Impossible 7 do to convince people that didn't already like those franchises that they were worth seeing? Mm -hmm. Because for example, I haven't seen a single movie from either of those franchises and nothing in the marketing of those movies made me have any desire to change that. 
I am shocked, uh, first of all, that you've never like this is Brian levels of not having seen and I'm sorry, Brian, if you're listening to of like not having seen movies like no Indiana Jones ever. I played the Lego Indiana Jones video game when I was like 10. Does that count? Okay, yes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just like again, it's like to me, Indiana Jones five looks nothing like it to me. You could show me a clip from Indiana Jones one, two, three, or four, and I'd be like, it's the same movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can obviously tell that it's made with you know like 2023 techniques versus 1980 techniques, but I think that that's what this topic of like people want fresh original things come from. And someone also pointed out that Barbie had the biggest domestic opening weekend for any like original movie any movie that mm-hmm. wasn't a sequel or a superhero movie um i think and it's the highest for a woman director as well yeah it's the highest for a woman director because it's definitely the highest for a solo woman director because patty mm-hmm. jenkins is like was the previous record holder with like 104 for wonder woman and then anna Bowden, who co-directed captain marvel mm-hmm. um but captain marvel was like 153 Which and barbie ended up yeah, and so Barbie would have beaten it anyway, but then final numbers on Barbie were like 162. Like, mm-hmm. the way Barbie overperformed is crazy to me, like just as crazy as all of those other like blockbuster entries underperforming in June. And again, I feel like it really comes down to the marketing. It's that it was new, it ran a, a, an amazing marketing campaign. But the other thing that I wanted to say is, so I, I keep seeing that headline anywhere, you know, that it's the biggest opening weekend for an non-sequel or non-superhero movie um but the other thing is that it's not really an original movie it's barbie barbie's one of the biggest brands on the face of the earth there are like there are probably more barbie movies than marvel movies Mm -hmm. like just because they're direct to video it's like like those barbie movies had a bigger impact on my childhood or as big of an impact on my childhood as i'm sure like marvel movies are having on kids today so i also think it's really interesting that you know, it it, do, it doesn't even need to be wholly original like Oppenheimer. It just it has to be good and it has to be new because that's the thing. Even if even if Barbie is still an IP, it's still a fresh IP. It's not Mission Impossible 7. Now, switching gears a little bit, um, I'm curious as to what you got. So, John, you know, you mentioned Ryan Gosling earlier Um and I want to talk about him, too. But I'm, I'm curious, what did you guys think of of Margot Robbie as? Barbie like did she pull it off was there anything on like anything that was like blew you away anything that bothered I mean, you I mean the role doesn't really require a lot but I do think the last 20 minutes it, it oh man Whew. okay so mm-hmm. um it, there's a um, conversation between her and Ruth the the maker you know which has uh, has a lot of spiritual mm-hmm. like parallels right there but that entire conversation almost like made me break down it, it's about the meaning of life right that's the conversation yeah the meaning talking. of life yeah. and identity and mm-hmm. being human and she just like slowly crumbles Mm-hmm. as they talk i yeah that was great mm-hmm. but i don't think the rest rest of the film gives her very much to work with to give her a um like a blowout performance mm-hmm. it's just her requiring to be barbie mm-hmm. for most of it they give ken a lot to do <laughs> they don't give her very much to do until the end of it at least that was my perspective. So I actually kind of disagree. Like, I do think that Ryan Gosling got more to do as Ken because I think that he just had a little bit of a bigger role. Like, not not like, you know, in terms of screen time, but just in terms of like emotion. I feel like his emotions were bigger than um, than Barbie's. But I do feel like Margot Robbie... Like, I I do think she got, like, a lot to do because I think that even before, like, the big moments towards the end of the movie, I think she had a lot of subtle moments that she pulled off extremely well. Like, to me, Robbie makes a bigger impression as Barbie than Gosling does as Ken because she Mm -hmm. has subtler moments. Like, that scene with her and, um, and the old woman on the park bench, 
to me, like I think that that's one of the most perfect scenes. I love like, that in, in scene. I and love that scene. I forgot that scene. That's a great yeah. scene. This and Ken has scene. nothing like that. This is the moment where she's acknowledged, like the old lady acknowledges that, like she knows she's beautiful, and and Barbie, it, like it's just accepted, right? You know, and and yeah. as as women, like you aren't supposed to say that, like you're not supposed to say, you're supposed to say, oh, I'm not, oh, you know, like yeah, kind it's... of demur a little bit. Like that's yeah, very to me profound. That, to me, that moment stood out for a couple of reasons. First of all, because you know there is the whole thing where it's like beauty in society is not really something that's commonly associated with older people, mm -hmm. and especially in something like Hollywood, where once you hit the age of like forty-five, it's like okay, well, you're aging out of roles, which mm -hmm. is just ridiculous. Um, and so, so there, so there was that part of it, you know. Then there was also the fact that I didn't even realize this until later, but it's like, that's the first time that Barbie has seen somebody that wasn't young and beautiful. Because right? everyone in her land is, is perfect, yeah, everyone in her, except yeah, for exactly. weird Barbie, Kate McKinnon. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even, even weird Barbie is Kate McKinnon. Like Kate McKinnon is still pretty. <laughs> like you can draw on, on her face all you want. She still looks like Kate McKinnon. And so... I thought that that was really interesting. And then it's, yeah, it's just the fact that she tells the woman that like, she's beautiful. And it's like, it's so sincere. Like to me, mm -hmm. like the word that best describes Barbie, the entire movie is it's genuine. Like everything mm -hmm. feels so genuine and heartfelt and like everything was so well thought through, but then, yeah, you're right. You know, instead of like demurring or whatever, the, the woman was just like, Oh yeah, I know. And then laughed. And then that was the end of it. Mm -hmm. And so to me, like, Ken doesn't have any moments like that. He's a great character and Gosling gave a great performance, but I do find it kind of shocking how like no one's talking about like an Oscar for Margot Robbie. It's just like the afterthought of like, oh, we should give Ryan Gosling an Oscar. And then like, I guess Margot Robbie because she did a good job too. And I kind of feel like it should be the other way around. Ryan Gosling did a great job. I feel like he should be nominated for best supporting actor but I find it kind of shocking how that's like the only thing that people are talking about from the Barbie movie. feels like everyone's glossing over Margot Robbie's performance a little bit. What do you think, John? I may I respond? Well, touche, number one, touche. That's a very fair point. Very fair point. Because, you know, when that moment happened in the movie, I even thought that was beautiful as well. Um, the only reason why I said that the script doesn't give her much to do is that you know 80% of the film has a lot of like like Lego movie moments with her is kind of what I was thinking about um where you know where where a lot of people didn't discuss him is he kind of like is like front and center of the over the top performance mm -hmm. throughout the film do I think it's unfair now that you point that out, absolutely, I think it's unfair. I think it's an unfair advantage. But y'all got to keep in mind, I just walked out of the phone. Yeah. I didn't, even, I didn't even really have time to digest it. I literally rolled in the door, plugged in my microphone, and we said, record. And so, we are grateful. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't even like, really have much time to process anything. Yeah, that's, that I that's just fair. But... That scene is beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful scene. There's just a lot of moments like that uh, throughout the film. Just like little touches of like sincerity mm -hmm. that just like hit you off guard. And I think so. that that's the right word. And I think Uday, you used it. John, you used it too. I think sincere like best describes so much of of these like the little moments, and they're really deep and really like offer you know, kind of offer like us as people, like a moment, um, a, a mirror almost to think about and think about just things surprisingly deep for a Barbie movie. You know, again, you're, you're not expecting that. Um, and I think that just is fantastic. Um, so we've talked about, we've talked about Robbie and we've talked a little bit about Ken. Do you guys think Ken was the villain of the film or is it not Ken? Is it something else? Is it the Mattel execs? Or do you have any other thoughts about Ken that you haven't shared so far? And Gosling. So one thing I wanted to say about Gosling, just, I mean, I've seen people talking about like the whole, you know, the whole thing with like, oh, 
Barbie is a movie about women and like the thing that's getting the most attention is the man. Um, and I know I know some people don't agree with that sentiment. I feel like it's a little bit true. But the one thing I want to say is that I feel like a lot of people defend that conversation, like all the acting conversation being about Gosling by saying like, oh, well, he's just so perfectly cast as Ken and he's never had like a role this excellent. Um, but the nice guys, nobody apparently has seen the nice guys. Um, I have never even heard of it. So, so. That, that's Gosling's <laughs> other comedy movie. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll I'll check it out. But I mean, I feel like all of those things apply to Robbie as well. Like Margot Robbie is a huge star, but she mm-hmm. has never found her niche. Like we thought she found it with Harley Quinn, but she has not been able to, or I mean, it's not, it's not on Margot Robbie, but her Harley Quinn has not been in a successful movie since her first appearance. And, and I mean, yeah, that's, that's not Margot Robbie's fault. You know, there was a pandemic. Some of the movies just didn't land with people, but um. But yeah, so I wouldn't I wouldn't count uh, Harley Quinn as like a huge success for Margot Robbie just because people like me love her in the role. That doesn't mean that like that's her niche. And I'd say it's the same for Ryan Gosling. He's also a big star. He's also been in a lot of stuff. So that's why I just wanted to say like I feel like the defense of like well it's Ryan Gosling's like time to shine. I feel like that applies to Margot Robbie as well. And okay. on the topic of Ken, I do think that I don't think he's a villain. I think he was like he did serve the role of an antagonist a little bit. Was um, it all for the horses? Is that the truth? It was, <laughs> honestly, even that moment, it's like, I feel like that really ir- illustrated that Ken isn't the villain of the movie. The villain is like the concept of the patriarchy mm-hmm. because I really liked what the movie had to say regarding that. You know, like what the patriarchy does to women, we're all like, you know, relatively familiar with, but then also the way that the patriarchy traps men into like that cycle of thinking that they're better than other people or I mean I I don't know exactly how to articulate these thoughts but it's just that I I thought what the movie did with that like with Ken saying that like oh I just thought like the patriarchy would solve my problems like his feelings of being inadequate and then Mm -hmm. it didn't um I feel like I feel like the patriarchy was a better antagonist than Ken was I think there's a guy in the movie and I am blanking on if it's Arlen or Alan? Just because it's Alan. Alan. No, not the, not the, um, not the Barbie, not that Alan, but the the Mattel guy. Michael Sarah. No, not Michael Sarah. The the Mattel, the the Mattel exec. Yes, who's like? I don't. don't If he, so he, there's a moment right where he says that like, I don't have the power to do this. If I don't have any power, does that mean I'm a woman? And oh thought, yeah if i'm a man with no power does that make me a woman he's the one that said that okay yeah. yeah and i thought that kind of summed up like summed up the the villain essentially for this like that that kind of thinking and i think ryan gosling was like the antagonist and and the vehicle for that to come through but i think it was like you said more that thinking john I, i'm talking what do you think i'm just babbling away uh, i think um i think he's right that um the the concepts of patriarchy is the villain because um you know margot robbie uh, barbie and ken in the film are innocent at the start mm-hmm. and then they get thrown into the world and that innocence is broken the innocence is broken because he gets exposed to all these very unhealthy ideas and she gets, you know, people stare at her, people, they do a lot of terrible things mm-hmm. when she gets in there. And I think it's, there's a very strong, which is what I was saying in the beginning, I think it's very good for, you know, like I'm a niece, like I'm a niece, is like five years old. Mm-hmm. I want to I take her to this because it discusses what it's like to grow up. Mm-hmm. you know, around a lot of unhealthy male behavior, male toxicity behavior. And where it's where people learn these terrible ideas, where it's nurtured and how it how people like Barbie pay for it. Mm-hmm. And how the innocence is gone right after. So yeah, I agree. Patriarchy is the bone of this. It's not Ken, it's the ideas. I, you know, I did not think that 
I, I just feel like we could talk about this movie forever, but I know we're getting close to the end of, of our, of our chat here and it's been wonderful, but guys, I have kind of a lighter question for you. Were there any favorite Easter eggs or references in the movie that um, like made you laugh that like laugh out loud? Um, I know that for me, there was this Snyderverse joke that, that was so funny. yeah, that was hilarious to me, especially as like a nerd, like I am. So I liked the Godfather stuff. I thought that like film bro Ken was hilarious. Mm -hmm. Like that that whole montage when they were like unbrainwashing the Barbies, like from America Ferrera, like you know, telling them like about women, um, to like knock them out of the brainwashing to like how they were distracting the Kens. I just thought all of that was like really excellent. Um, so I, I guess that was like my favorite stuff. But I also really liked the little references to Barbie, even though I'm not like a Barbie super fan. I feel like I knew a lot of the references because mm -hmm. people have been doing so much work just like based on the trailers and character posters. So it's like I like I recognized a magic earring Ken in like Crazy Barbie's house because like <laughs> I had heard about him in one of like these articles about the trailer. And I really loved Midge. I thought Midge was hilarious. I, yeah. I wanted her to have like a, like some kind of like bigger role. But then I thought it was really funny how they just told her to like get out of the screen every time she showed up and midge was kind of a really interesting thing too because right barbie's been an astronaut barbie's bit like president barbie's done everything but barbie really hasn't been a parent you know barbie and midge has is... never been pregnant i yes. saw that people said barbie herself has never been pregnant barbie is not midge. like yeah barbie's not a mother like midge is a mother but barbie is barbie is everything but and honestly i thought the commentary on mothers was really interesting because it's like that whole concept of like, oh, you bring your daughter to Barbie and then you're sitting there and you realize the movie's about you instead mm -hmm. of her. And I really loved that. And like John was saying earlier, like the whole thing with Margot Robbie and Ruth Handler at the end or Barbie and Ruth Handler. Um, it's like she was, ba she was basically speaking to her godmother. Like mm -hmm. Ruth Handler is like God to the Barbies and she's also their mother. And, and then that's really interesting and then at the end in honor of that she changes her name right she's barbara mm -hmm. handler which was mm -hmm. ruth's daughter's name that you know full circle barbie had been named mm -hmm. after so that was kind of interesting um and i know we didn't get john there on his easter eggs or funny well, moments. first off first off i want to give a shout out to wheelchair barbie for mm, yes. uh, for reasons for, for reasons um i still don't think matchbox 20 is just and push. Let me put it this way: I hate Matchbox Twenty. I can't stand them. So I think it's hilarious <laughs> that they took a shot. Imagine just, yeah, I thought that was really funny. Uh, of course, uh, the slider cut. You know that that was a great, great moment. I mean, uh, I I think y'all covered it pretty much. All right, and now we're down to the very end. Let's talk about that ending, John. Do you want to go since you know you had you had some thoughts? You, um, I mean, I might have like you know have my Mission Impossible dead reckoning with there already. I might have already gave it away. Oh, that's fine. The Ken scene right before that, on top of the moment with the roof, was kind of like a one-two punch. Mm -hmm. You know, where Ken realizes, you know. There's a, a very strong relationship, like parallel to what was going on at the at the end of it, where she says like you could just be Ken, like you don't you don't need you don't need me to be you, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I think is that's another important message for people that have gone through rough like relationships, you know, that have like. Feelings that they can't be themselves without the person they were with, mm -hmm. and and then that that final moment, just like between her and Ruth, I like I don't know if I'm just sensitive in my old age or or what, but it got me. It was profound. Uh, it was very profound, and um, as you know, as as it's been said already, it was unexpected. In a lot of things over expected, so yeah, um, that's good. That about covers it. How about you, Day? Any last thoughts or things that you want to share about Barbie that we haven't chatted about? 
I thought the ending was perfect. Like, I feel like that's like one of the best endings I've ever seen to any movie ever. Just everything with Ruth, of course. But then, yeah, the final line, like, I thought that she got a job at Mattel. Like, I mean, obviously, you're supposed to think she's going to a job interview because of Mm -hmm. the way she's dressed and the way they're like, oh, you know, like, good luck and everything. And so I thought that like the Mattel CEO had given her a job because I don't think that like the CEOs were really bad people. Obviously, they wanted money. But um you know, I, I I did believe that he cared about Barbie. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, he gave her a job. How nice. He's going to let her work her way up into the boardroom. And then, yeah, and then she's like, oh, I want to see my my gynecologist. And I thought that that was like the funniest thing ever. Because, yeah, she's human now. Now she has genitals. Yep. And that's And that's also like the kind of moment that I think really makes it clear how much barbie isn't for kids you know like i feel like young girls will still get a lot from the movie but i feel like anyone younger than 10 so i feel like any girl younger than 10 unless they're like wise beyond their years and i kind of feel like any boy younger than like 11 or 12 isn't really going to get a lot from the movie because it doesn't spend enough time in like barbie land to really like (laughs) make it fun for like a kid that young and and you know and with the, the thing with boys the reason why i feel like boys would need to be a little bit older is because I don't think any 10 year old boy is considering what life is like for a girl. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's something that just needs to change in society. So maybe you should take them to go see Barbie for that reason. But I mean, yeah, cause it's like, if you think about it, how many kids will get the gynecologist joke? No 10 year old boy is going to understand that. And, but I don't know. I just, I thought it was so perfect. I thought it was like the perfect note to end the movie on. And then the way it just immediately ends. So before you even have time Fades to black, right? right? Yeah, you're like staring at the credits and and so many people that I've talked to and so many women like that I've seen tweeting about it have just thought that it was like a really perfect ending. And so mm-hmm. I'm glad it's resonating with, you know, the target audience. And I think that is a great uh, moment for us to have our own little fade to black. Uh, thank you all for listening. This has been the Cosmic Circle episode, whatever we said in the beginning. Uh, and we were chatting Barbie. I'm Isla Ruby. Uh, gentlemen, who are you? How did I get here? And where can we find your writing? Uh, yes, again, I am John Dodson. You can find me at John Movie Watch on Twitter. Uh, you could also find me on Blue Sky, just in case Twitter, you know. You exit, mean X, yes. X is out of existence. We are fresh uh, with, the, with the news here. We are totally up to date. Right. Yeah, so I'm in there. I write for Cosmic Circus and I write for Monsters and Critics, and I'll be covering Fantasia Fest all week. And I'm Uday, and you can find me on all major social media platforms at Golden Ninja 3000. I only write for the Cosmic Circus, and I am not really working on anything right now, but I did just do a Barbie review, and I don't do a lot of reviews, but I think it turned out really well. So please read it and let me know your thoughts. And and again, I'm Isla Ruby. You can find me on Twitter at T-U-L-I-N writes um, and because I just haven't set up anything else yet. Um, and you can find all of us at thecosmiccircus.com. Thank you and see you later.